One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello there and welcome to the Times Business Podcast where we look ahead to some of the events at least that will move markets and certainly cause comment. That means of course looking at the Bank of England moves to keep the UK economy on track, whether the competition in watchdog can really make sure that we get a better deal from our current accounts and uh, indeed whether the smaller businesses are being served as they should be by the banks. We'll flag what to expect from a host of insurers who are going to be updating investors. And finally, we'll take a trip to the movies. I'm joined by Catherine Griffiths, the banking editor of The Times, James Hurley, our enterprise editor. And I'm delighted to say Alexandra Freen is with us in the studio today instead of being on the line from New York, where, of course, she served with distinction as our US business editor and has now returned as The Times business columnist. Welcome to you all. As we promised, let's start with the Bank of England's decision to cut interest rates to the lowest ever level and include a £70 billion bond buying package. This is what Governor Mark Carney had to say about it. If we hadn't taken the steps uh, we took today, uh, we do expect output would have been lower, unemployment would have been higher, um, and uh, we would have achieved a poorer uh, balance in terms of uh, returning inflation sustainably to target um, and foregoing uh, output. Um, now, with all forecasts, there are risks on either side. Uh, it's possible that growth could be a little stronger. It's possible growth could be a little weaker. We have, in the actions that we've taken today, by acting through multiple channels uh, with a coherent policy package, uh, we have improved uh, the economic outcomes uh, for this country. There will be less unemployment. There will be more activity. Uh, and there will be a greater prospect of a successful adjustment uh, to the new realities uh, that the UK faces. Well, Catherine, that was Governor Mark Carney. I mean, clearly a further cut in, in interest rates is always going to be bad news for savers. But looking in terms of the wider economy first and, and I suppose financial stability, did the governor do enough? I think he probably did enough today. I mean, certainly the big banks reporting their results over the last couple of weeks have cautioned really against any kind of rate cuts. So it's actually quite stark, the kind of message you get from people who lead very big banks in this country and who have a massive insight into the economy. And obviously this far more sort of gloomy message that's coming out of the Bank of England. And, you know, cynics might say that, again, this is Mark Carney kind of pushing ahead with his own agenda on Brexit. Uh, he was very negative on it um, before the vote and obviously it, it continues to be so. I don't really think necessarily anyone would be saying that today because it would seem like, um, well, an abuse of his position to sort of further his own view in that way. Will it help the, the general economy? I think I c one can only assume that it will help the economy, but there are clearly risks. And one of those risks is that he really only has another quarter point cut to go and he's at zero. He has said he doesn't favour negative rates, but he's, you know, we're bumping along the bottom now. Um, and there are plenty of people out there who don't really think that sort of 
any more QE or any more kind of special programmes to kind of make lending cheaper will really do much because the crucial issue issue in the economy is that um, businesses don't tend to want to borrow to invest. People feel slightly nervous about investment decisions. It's not necessarily the availability of credit. It's a big measure and obviously policymakers really since the financial crisis have thought that you need to kind of overwhelm the problem. That's that's the way they tackle things these days. And, you know, I guess it's a question of um, crossing crossing their fingers and hoping. James, a lot of smaller the enterprise culture that you look at, the companies, some people say they're, they're actually quite cash rich. In general terms, do you think that there's going to be a trickle-down effect to the people that, that you deal with daily, the smaller and medium-sized end of, of, of the business spectrum? Well, this is the big question, and, you know, throughout some of the interventions that the Bank of England's made over the last few years, one of the major criticisms has been that perhaps not all of it has dropped down to the people at the coalface of the economy. There was a nod to that indeed today with uh, some measures to try and ensure that the banks will pass this through to borrowers. I mean, you started this by talking about this being bad news for savers and in a net position, that's exactly what small and medium-sized countries in this country are. I think if you look at the saving and borrowing figures, I think it's about 150 billion that small and medium-sized companies have on deposit and about 100 billion is the net lending decision net lending positions that gives you a good idea of the of the picture really i think as catherine says you know the bigger question is really creating demand from small companies to want to want to go out and and spend the money and i don't think that today's news is going to do that catherine pump priming the economy for the banks themselves do you think that this is going to encourage them to lend more or to hold, a, if you like, extend a helping hand to businesses that do need help? I'm probably talking about some quite reasonable sized companies here, even though they know there's a big risk. No, I, I sort of think they that this won't really encourage them to lend more. And I mean, certainly the Bank of England has made their life a bit more difficult because banks struggle to make profits in ultra low interest rate environments. As James just said, you know, the banking is well aware of that problem and has warned them basically that they need mm-hmm. to pass the rate cut on um, and not try and sort of protect their own profit margin. But, you know, at the same time, banks are under lots of pressure not to not to see any kind of increase in their bad loan rates. They're, they're, they're recovering from the financial crisis. They are far more, far stronger than they used to be. But investors and the city analysts are sort of on sort of high alert for any kind of ticking up of um, non-performing loans, bad loans. So, you know, they're in a reasonably tight spot. Alex, can I bring you in here? I mean, you're just freshly returned from the United States where money printing, quantitative easing is is also um, has been popular in the past. Do you get the sense of feeling now back here that people are upbeat about the outlook for the economy or do you sense a certain amount of fear of the unknown? Coming from the United States where the mood is so much more upbeat than it is here, it's been quite a shock to come back actually and just to, to absorb the the uncertainty, the fear almost that seems to be permeating most uh, company, just company results out in the in, at the moment. You know, in Marsat, the satellite company is saying in its latest results, it's really hard to predict what the next few months are going to look like. It's very hard um, to have any certainty about the outlook. And that is a stark change from the United States where they're looking to raise rates, their next move, and where, you know, the focus is on 
job creation. The job numbers are going up. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit patchy, but they're going up. So it's a very, very different atmosphere. And it is, it is quite um, sobering to come back to the UK into this um, a- atmosphere of complete uncertainty. Let's see about something a little more certain. Looking ahead now, we've got the competition watchdog. We were talking about the upbeat mood in America. We've got the competition watchdog um, coming in. Uh, Catherine, as a banking editor, you first. This is about our current accounts and whether small businesses are getting a good deal. Do we know a lot of what's in the report from the preliminary findings? And is there going to be any big change that's going to make our lives as consumers better? So the Competition and Markets Authority has been at this for a while and they've sort of issued various different findings along the way, but the the final version comes next week. What seems clear is that they are going to focus on overdrafts because pretty much everyone can agree that unauthorised overdrafts are very expensive in many cases can be more expensive than borrowing from payday loan type outfits. There's been a lot of kind of chat around the sides about how actually the competition watchdog should have done something far more radical. For example, that they should have said that there has to be an end to um, this free and credit banking that we largely have in this country, which is actually quite an anomaly, that people should really pay the proper price for their current accounts, which would mean, on the one hand, paying for the service, you know, using cash machines, using for having banking services. But on the other hand, actually, you would be paid a proper amount for having money on deposit. I mean, obviously, all of this is complicated by what's just happened with the Bank of England and, and interest rates. So, I mean, they might produce a rabbit out of the hat next week, but it seems unlikely and it it seems to me that they will focus on unauthorised overdrafts for both individuals and businesses and also they've talked a lot about sort of technological change making it easier for people to kind of switch accounts because at the moment you can switch and that's fine but it's it can be just quite complicated to kind of figure out looking across the landscape what is actually the best account for you so they think there can be kind of technology in the future which will make that easier so that's all great the thing that's kind of perhaps interesting is that we've heard in the last few weeks the new head of the financial watchdog Andrew Bailey say that he's going to take this report from the competition authority and run with it and actually see if from a sort of treating customer fairly point of view that that's their remit whether there's more that should be done to help particularly vulnerable customers which is actually you know millions of people across this country would fall into that category. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Just to interject, yeah. I would say that I think the British consumers are going to come in for a rude shock if they have um, the end of, you know, in-credit banking. Uh, you've been paying in the I, States, I, have I've you? I've been paying $3 every time I make a cash withdrawal. You know, that's, really? that hits you know, $3.50 sometimes. That hits low-income people who take out smaller sums really hard. You don't pay if you're withdrawing from your own bank, but um, very often you're not near your own branch. And so it, it's when, when, when you, you know, first move to the States and come back, it's one of the things that you really notice. And I think the British public would be very unhappy if they suddenly discovered, you know, a couple of quid being taken off every time they made a cash withdrawal. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about this whole debate is um, the point about kind of cherry picking that banks want to have certain groups of customers that will either make them money, so that's basically people who keep going into the red and they can charge overdraft fees, or they want customers who don't lose them money. So that's people who who put sort of regular sums of money into their bank account, you know, who receive a salary and that goes into their bank account. And then, of course, the banks aggregate that money and can and can use it for their cost of funding. But what they what banks don't have 
don't want but have actually is is you know to have to sort of take on wide swathes for the population and that's in this country of course we've got several very big banks and they do have that they have that kind of across the board thing so they actually have lots of people on sort of basic bank accounts which was a a previous government initiative that's just a massive drain on on profitability so it's a really interesting point you make about america because i think as you say people would absolutely hate the idea of paying for their account and that's why it hasn't really happened here because people have kind of dipped their toe in the water but at the same time it's it's solving that problem of how you don't from a kind of policy point of view if you did have ministers or the regulator who who said yeah we want to stop this their problem is the fact that it will it will hurt certain people lower income people in certain ways Looking, uh, James, it's a slight uh, side issue because I don't think it's covered by the Competition and Markets Authority because that's who will be publishing the report. It's about the, the smaller businesses and, and the government's auto-enrolment workplace plan. Here's a reminder, if you haven't heard it, of what you may have seen uh, on the television and thought it might not have anything to do with you. Millions of workers like us are already benefiting from being enrolled in the workplace pension. Because when we pay in... Our boss pays in too. I'm in. in. Workplace pension. We're all in. We're all in! <laughs> well, much merriment there, but James, just explain what is the government's central message in this and probably why should we be paying attention? So this is quite a significant and radical policy that's really been sort of in motion now for for quite a few years, kind of quietly and not getting much attention, but it is quite a, a radical change in, in policy regulation, uh, sorry, pension regulation and pension policy. Um, the idea being that there was a huge swathe of the economy where nobody was getting a workplace pension and that's the small and medium-sized company market uh, this is an obligation for companies of all sizes including someone who's absolutely tiny and only has one employee maybe even only one part-time employee has an obligation to give their employee important word here the option the option of a workplace pension it's up to the employee whether they want to be in and out of it in or out of it or not and that's one of the key concerns as to whether this policy is going to work or not um, so as I say it's been in it's been in place since 2012 so far I think it's fair to say a qualified success uh, I think we've got up to two-thirds of employees in the country now are on a workplace pension compared to about a quarter in 2012 when it started. But it is worth, isn't it, checking out? Because as I think you mentioned here, crucially, even if someone is employing a part-time carer, they are obligated to at least have a dialogue with the pensions regulator or the government, aren't they, to, to, to register the fact well, that they do? Well, that, that, that's right. So we're kind of getting into the business end of this now because it's still an ongoing change and... It doesn't finish until 2017, and it's the smallest companies that are coming online now. And there is a concern at the pensions regulator that there's a, still a lack of awareness among the people who have only got maybe one or two employees that they don't have to, they don't aware of their obligations. Essentially, they may not even be aware of the policy at all. But there's some quite simple guidance on the pensions regulator website about what you need to do. The other kind of important problem here is that because of the lack of awareness, there's been some sort of predators who have pounced on this and are setting up substandard pension schemes and promising to solve all the problems of small companies. So it's important that that people enrol their employees onto a stable Start with scheme. the pensions regulator and stick yeah. with it and read it. So well worth a visit to the pensions regulator site. Well, we're going to take a short break now, but when we return, we're going to look at the big insurers and we'll be seeking Dory. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? 
Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insights and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Uh, Catherine, uh, I'm going to start with you this time. It's a busy time for insurers in the current reporting season. We're expecting to hear from Legal and General, Aviva, Standard Life and uh, the prudential owner of M&G, of course. What are the key points to watch out for? I think the the biggest point, really, like we've been discussing, is interest rates. It's, it's a very big deal for insurers. Um, they don't really like low interest rate environments. It makes it more difficult for them to make money from investments, which is a very large part of their profit stream. And also, particularly for the likes of Legal in General, which does a lot of annuity business, it's hard for them to get new business because low interest rates make pension deficits bigger for longer. So it's hard to kind of drum up sales in that in that market in low interest rate environments. So Legal and General's shares have been hurt a fair bit by what's going on with central bank people's views of what central banks are doing. A small positive for them was they did a deal not that long ago with the ICI pension fund which made people feel, you know, a bit more confident and optimistic about that market. But, you know, all of those companies reporting next week are very big, very sound companies. So it's very unlikely there'll be sort of big shocks, but it it is a tough environment that they're operating in. Any chance that the dividends might be under pressure? I suppose everyone's dividends under pressure these days, isn't it? Yeah, I I think there's a chance of that. Um, I mean, we've seen Aviva and Royal and Sun Alliance report, and they've been reasonably positive on dividends and indeed the banks which also are hurt by interest rates at the moment have also managed to be quite positive on dividends in the last few days so it's certainly one to watch. Okay well finally I'm going to let you out of school it's fun time. We're going to be hearing from Britain's only stock market quoted cinema business which I hadn't realised until recently and also from a veteran of the Hollywood show business. That uh, only quoted stock market company by the way of course is Cineworld Walt Disney Company, though, first. Alex, here's something to get your teeth into. I remembered them. Wait, what did you remember? I remembered them. My mom, my dad. I have a family. They don't know where I am. Let's go. Dory, we have to go. No, no, this is crazy. Where exactly are you trying to go? To the to the gym of the uh, Baltic. The Jewel of Morro Bay, California. Yes. No, Dory, California's all the way across the ocean. Then we better get going. How come every time we're on the edge of this reef, one of us is trying to leave? Finding Dory there. Alex, did these so-called blockbuster movies really work? I mean, or is it really a front piece now and they're so busy involved in cable TV, movies online? I mean, does it matter anymore? Yes, it does matter. It matters for um, all all kinds of reasons, um, not least of which that that these... Uh, uh, box office success is is a good um, marketing for your um, cable sales but you know with a with a movie like Finding Dory you know this time of year all the movie critics and the uh, Hollywood um, business writers are you know ask the same question is this going to be the worst summer for blockbuster movies ever um, that's that's what we're everyone's asking right now and here comes Finding Dory the most successful animated movie of all time at the US box office on its opening weekend a very strong showing at its opening weekend in the UK um, it lifts everyone's spirits it's a great film it's been critically uh, well received and you know it's a movie made by Pixar distributed by Disney it'll give um, a fillip to the company of course the Disney results that are out this week won't reflect um, 
any of those box office takings, but it, it will feed into the next quarter's numbers. No, but each summer I seem to read and look at these results like you, it's, it costs more and more to promote these the costs of promotion surely must eat into the profit margin somewhere I'd have thought doesn't it? Well, well it does and that, that's why they need really big box office receipts to you know to earn back that money and so far this summer um, there have been a number of films which have been mild critical successes but which haven't really pulled in um, sufficient box office numbers yet because it all to, reflects to on back. companies like basically I suppose that what they want first of all is people to go to cinemas like those owned by Cineworld don't they encouraging them to go out rather than just simply buy it on DVD later Absolutely. And, you know, don't don't forget that we've got the Olympics this summer. That's going to hit um, the movie theatres. It's going to uh, hit the, the filmmakers. It always, it, it, it even will affect the streaming services. You know, Netflix was recently saying they expect a, another dip in subscriber growth because of the Olympics. It, it, it's another factor they, they have to play with. But, um, you know, it's, it's still early in the summer. And, um, you know, we've still got the, the whole of the rest of August for um, further releases. Do you know what? You've still got this lovely, infectious American enthusiasm about you still, rather than us jaded ones who stayed behind here. I mean, James, if you were going to go to a movie this summer, if we gave you free tickets, which I'm not a hasten to add, we don't have the budget, uh, what would you go and see? I'd quite like to see the new Bourne movie, actually, despite the reports that it's hardly got any dialogue in it whatsoever. According to Mark Komodo, who I like, uh, it's a it's a very good film, and uh, and its star is is uh, a good enough actor to hold it, despite the lack of the, the lack of dialogue. I nearly said, "Oh, that's Jason Bourne, isn't it?" Goodness me, how Matt Damon. Yes, Matt Damon, indeed. Catherine, would you agree with that, or you are more Finding Dory? Um, well, I'd definitely like to see both of them. Actually, I'm very, I'm very looking forward to seeing Finding Dory with my two small children, who I hope will provide it will provide you know an hour or so of peace. So long may these these films from Pixar continue. Okay, well we'll leave it there. That's on a nice happy note. It must be Alex's infectious enthusiasm. Anyway, that's it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with all our news and commentary online. And uh, if you haven't got a Times subscription, then you can go to our website. It's a £1 special offer and sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime business emails. So if you want to hear us weekly, you can hit subscribe through iTunes. My thanks to Catherine Griffiths, James Hurley, and of course, Alexandra Freen. They're all on Twitter. Please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>